Do your knees hurt when you work out or play sports? Have you ever wondered if you might have a torn meniscus? Well, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about in today's episode of the At Home PT. I'm Daniel Herring, and welcome to my podcast, The At Home PT, where we're going to talk about physical therapy related to sports at all levels. I'm going to use my decade of experience treating professional, collegiate, and recreational athletes to try to simplify some of the information around different injuries and treatment types. That way, I can give you things that you can do at home today to get you back to playing your sport at a high level as quickly as possible. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to today's episode of the At Home PT, where we're going to be talking about meniscus tears. Now, before we get started, remember, if you like today's show, make sure you either follow or subscribe to my show based off of which platform you're listening on, and leave me a five-star rating or review. So the big topic for today is going to be meniscus tears. This is something that pretty much every athlete has heard of. Um, If you've ever had knee pain, you may wonder if you might have a meniscus tear or if a meniscus tear might be contributing to your pain. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to give you some common signs and symptoms of what a meniscus tear feels like to try to help you decide if you might have a meniscus tear. Then in segment two, as always, we're going to cover our myths and half-truths around meniscus tears. And then following in section three, we're going to get into some treatment of meniscus tears and also talk about when and if you might need to consider surgery. So to start off, with meniscus tears, I want to talk about the two main ways meniscus tears can happen. The first is what you're probably thinking of, and that's an acute traumatic event. That means you're playing a sport, you're lifting weights, you're picking something up from a tailgate, and you feel a sharp pain in your knee, a pop, and you get a sudden onset of pain. That's a traumatic tear. Something happened in that moment that caused that meniscus to actually rip. The other type of meniscus tear is a chronic meniscus tear. These are just as common. These are injuries that happen over time. There's no one incidence, but people just, just kind of gradually notice the pain start to come on. This is more like a fraying or wearing away of a, of a meniscus. What I typically tell my patients is to think about like an old pair of blue jeans how on in the knees or on the ends of the blue jeans, you can kind of notice the denim starts to fray and you'll get loose strings or small tears in them. That's a lot of what it looks like with these meniscus tears. They happen over time. It's just a wearing away. The pain gradually comes on. There's no traumatic event. But pretty soon you start to notice consistent pain with certain things like putting weight on it, rotating, squatting down, things like that. So just because you don't have a traumatic event doesn't mean you don't have a meniscus tear. So I'll hear people tell me, well, you know, I've got this pain. The doctor says it sounds like a meniscus tear, but, but I never really injured my knee. Well, the odds are these people are looking at one of these chronic tears that just happens over a long period of time. So if you think you might have one of these tears, whether it be traumatic or chronic, the next thing is to think about are the common signs and symptoms of a meniscus tear. And there are about five that um, are, are pretty consistent, and you're probably going to have all of these, if not all, the majority of these, if you have a torn meniscus. The first one, pretty simple, is pain in your joint line. And so in your, when I say in your joint line, 
I mean that this pain typically doesn't run up and down through your quad or hamstring, like your thigh. It doesn't go down into your foot or anything like that. It's just right there deep in the middle of your knee, kind of a sharp stabbing pain usually. This, these things can vary. The area can vary. The quality of the pain can vary, but it's usually a sharp stabbing pain deep on the inside of your knee. The next is very similar. It's tenderness to touch at the joint line of your knee. So if you go to your knee and kind of that middle soft part, if you go side to side, it's very tender when you actually touch it with your fingers. Okay. This is a little different than, than just pain with movement. Pain with movement can be a lot of things, but if you have an irritated meniscus, it's going to be pain to touch. Whereas other things that cause the pain that feel like a meniscus won't actually be painful to touch. You'll touch your knee and it feels fine. You only have pain when you're putting weight on it. That's less likely to be a meniscus tear. It can be, just less likely. Another really common symptom is swelling. That means you do a workout, you play your sport, you go for a run, something like that, and your knee immediately swells up like a softball. And it doesn't always have to be that much swelling, but it needs to be consistent. It needs to be that every time you put weight on it, you get swelling. That's a symptom of meniscus. Again, you, you can have a meniscus tear without swelling, but it's fairly uncommon. Usually if it's an active meniscus tear, there's going to be a pretty good bit of fluid on your knee. Another very common one is catching and popping. What I mean by that is when your meniscus tear gets irritated, it'll actually catch in the range of motion. So you'll go to straighten it out, you'll feel that sharp pain, and for a second, you can't straighten your knee all the way. Sometimes that catch stays there for a long period of time. Sometimes it's brief. It does it for a second, it pops, and then it moves again. That is typically thought to be the part of your meniscus that's torn is actually kind of flipping around and catching in the joint. Okay. And then the popping is kind of that just creaking, popping, almost like you're popping your knuckles or something, but it's down deep in your knee. Now, popping in joints isn't always a bad thing. As long as there's no pain associated with the popping, we typically tell patients not to worry about popping. That's just a part of life. But with these meniscus tears, that popping is painful. They get a quick little sharp pain every time it pops because, like I said, it's that actual meniscus getting caught in the joint and giving a popping sensation. And then the last and maybe the most diagnostic of the symptoms is, like I mentioned before, pain with putting weight on it and especially with twisting or rotating your knee while there's weight on it. So something like if you're at a tailgate and you go to pick up an ice chest and put it in the back of your vehicle and you rotate on your knee. If you're playing tennis and you go to run and twist, if you're playing golf, which has a ton of rotation during weight bearing, if you notice sharp pain in your knee consistently with weight bearing and specifically with adding rotation to it, that's a pretty good sign that this may be a meniscus. Okay. If your pain is mostly when you're not putting weight on it, when you're kicking it out, bending it, things like that, that's that's far less likely to be a meniscus. But if you have a significant meniscus tear and you put weight on your knee and rotate, there's a pretty good chance you have that a meniscus should hurt when you do that. So during this segment, I wanted to give you a quick test that you can do at home that will give you a pretty good idea of if you have a meniscus tear. And then if you do, where is it at? See, there's a meniscus on the inside of your knee and there's a meniscus on the outside of your knee. Both of these meniscus run forward and backward from the front to the back of your knee. And so this test is not the end-all be-all. You could 
be positive on this test and actually not have a meniscus and vice versa. You cannot have any pain. There is a torn meniscus, but it's a pretty good test. It's an easy one to do at home and it gives you a good idea. It's called a Thessaly test. So what you're going to do with this Thessaly test is you want to stand near a countertop or a wall, something you can hold on to for balance. So I, I prefer a countertop. So stand by your countertop. And the first thing you're going to do is just barely bend your knee, maybe five degrees, a very slight bend. So let's say if you want to test your right knee, start off by balancing on your right leg, pick your left leg up, bend, slightly bend your knee, maybe about five degrees, and you're going to twist and rotate slowly and very controlled and carefully side to side. Don't go fast. That can really irritate a torn meniscus, but just nice and easily rotate as far as you can to the right and then as far as you can to the left on your right knee. What we're looking for here is specifically pain. Catching or popping can be a sign as well, but we're really looking for pain. If you're standing on your right knee and you rotate to the right, that puts a lot of pressure on your inside meniscus. And so if you get pain rotating to the right, that's probably your inside meniscus. When you rotate to the left, that's going to put pressure on your outside meniscus of your right knee. And so if you have pain there, that's probably coming from your right. Then you're going to switch and do this on, again on your left leg. So when you're balancing on your left leg with a slight bend in your knee, holding onto the countertop for balance, when you rotate to the right, that's going to put pain on your outside meniscus, your left. When you rotate to the left, that's going to put pain on your inside meniscus or pressure on your inside meniscus of your left leg. Okay? So that kind of tells you right versus left, um, inside versus outside meniscus. Now we're going to repeat this same test with more of a bend in your knee. So holding onto the countertop, let's start with your right leg. Instead of a slight five degree bend, you're going to bend further about 20 degrees. Now, not all the way down into a full squat because that's just really tough, but just a little bit deeper into your squat. <clears throat> and you're going to do the same thing. Rotate right and left. The same principles apply. So if you're rotating on your right leg, when you rotate to the right, that puts pressure on your, on your inside meniscus or your medial meniscus. When you rotate to your left, that puts pressure on your outside meniscus or your lateral meniscus, vice versa on your left. The purpose of the deeper bend is that can tell us which the front to the back. The more you bend your knee, the more pressure you put on the back of your meniscus. So the first position where you had your knee slightly bent was going to put more pressure on the front of your meniscus. The second position where you bend down lower is going to put pressure on the back of your meniscus. So now you can combine those two things. And we've looked at right leg versus left leg. We've looked at inside of meniscus versus outside meniscus. And we've looked at the front of the meniscus versus the back of the meniscus. And this can just give us a good overall idea of where the tear possibly is in your meniscus. Now we're going to take that information, we're going to store that away, and we're going to get into that later on in the third segment when we get into treatment. But as for right now, I'm going to take a quick break. And then when I come back, we're going to discuss myths and half-truths around meniscus tears. Stick around. Okay, guys, welcome back. Now we're going to get into myths and half-truths around meniscus tears. So the first one we're going to talk about is if you have a torn meniscus, do you need to have surgery? The answer here is it depends. Not everyone who has a meniscus tear needs surgery. As a matter of fact, what the research has shown over the last 10 years is most people who don't get surgery, they go through organized physical therapy and they rehab it well, 
do just as well 10 years later as people who had surgery on their knee. So the question we have to ask is, what do we look at to decide if you need surgery versus not? The first thing is there are two types of meniscus surgery. The first is a meniscus repair. The second is a meniscus debridement, or they cut away the meniscus, the torn meniscus. The reason they would cut away the torn meniscus and not repair it is if they just don't think they can do a, if the surgeon does not believe they can do a successful repair. Meniscus, the meniscus has three zones in it. There's a red zone, which is a really good blood supply, a white zone, which does not have a good blood supply, and a pink zone, which is kind of in the middle. Generally speaking, tissues that have a really good blood supply heal much better. So if you have a small tear in your red zone, you're a really good candidate for a repair surgery. If you have a tear in your white zone, even if it's small, you're not really a great candidate because there's not a good blood supply there and it's probably not going to heal very well. There are also bigger tears and smaller tears, simpler tears and more complex tears. Uh, one tear that would really require surgery would be a bucket handle tear. This is actually, I had meniscus surgery last year because I had a complex bucket handle tear. In a bucket handle tear, your meniscus tears in such a way that a big piece of it flips into the joint and will not allow your knee to go back straight. Now, sometimes they can flip in and out, but if you have a big bucket handle tear, it isn't going anywhere. It's going to keep happening. And this is one that if the surgeon thinks they can go in and get a repair on, it's a really good idea to go ahead and get that fixed. If you have a smaller tear and it's um, not in a good red zone, then, then the conversation becomes around just doing a debridement or cutting that piece of meniscus out. So there are a lot of factors that go into that. And if you think you have a meniscus tear, this is the time to really start evaluating, speaking with a surgeon, probably speaking with someone else to a physical therapist, something like that, getting a really good idea on whether or not you need surgery. Because if it's going to be a repair, I think that is definitely worthwhile. If it's just going to be a debridement where they cut it out, unless it is completely debilitating where you cannot do the things you want to do, you're really better off not having the surgery and just going through rehab because you're going to save your meniscus and you just have all the complications with, with, with surgery, all the potential complications with surgery. They're rare, but they do happen. Also, I, I talked about saving your meniscus. Your meniscus is a cushion in your knee that prevents arthritis. Once you start cutting meniscus out, it's really only a matter of time until you develop arthritis and potentially are headed for a total knee replacement down the road. So we'd like to save your meniscus when we can. A quick tip that I like to tell people is if you ever go to a surgeon to look at your meniscus and they don't recommend surgery right off the bat, stick with that surgeon, okay? These guys get paid a lot of money to do these surgeries, but your good surgeons know it isn't always in the best interest of the patient. So if you get a surgeon who's willing to pass on that paycheck because they're doing what's best for the patient, you want to stick with that surgeon. They have your best interest at heart and they are a really good decision maker, okay? The next question is if what happened if you see a torn meniscus on an image, on an, on an MRI or a CT scan, does that automatically mean that that meniscus is causing your pain? Absolutely not. We've talked about this with almost every podcast we've done so far. Diagnosis should never be done solely off of imaging. I don't care if it's an x-ray, MRI, CT, you name it. Imaging is only really helpful in, diagno in diagnosis 
when it correlates with what we see clinically. So in segment one, I talked about common signs and symptoms of a meniscus tear. If you don't have those signs and symptoms, but you do have a meniscus tear on an image, the odds are that meniscus tear is not causing your pain. It's just like a bulging disc, just like decreased joint space, things like this. All of these things are normal to see on an MRI or a CT scan or an X-ray. That's just normal changes on the inside of our body. It doesn't mean that's what's causing your pain. So if you're ever at a practitioner who is trying to make diagnoses based solely off of imaging and they're not really spending time in the room looking at you to determine what's going on, you may want to consider getting a second opinion, especially before you head into something like surgery. Okay. And just because you've had a meniscus tear in the past doesn't mean that meniscus tear is causing your symptoms right now. There are a lot of things that can cause these pain, these pains. And so you really want to get with a healthcare professional who's going to help you work through that, make those decisions, and really factor in everything, all of the different variables to decide where your pain could be coming from. The third myth or half-truth that I want to get into is, is running bad for your meniscus? And when I say running, I really mean distance running. The by and large answer here is no. There has been a good amount of research on this. I um, have spoken in the past with uh, Jenny Peters and Jane Swift over at Varsity Sports here in Baton Rouge. And we, we've talked about different articles. There's plenty of research that shows that moderate long distance running is absolutely not bad for your meniscus or your knee in general. Now, once you get over, I think it's 20 miles a week, 50 miles a week, basically like people that are training for marathons. And if you're doing that for the majority of the year, that can have some degenerative effects on your meniscus. But it's not until you get to really, really high distance. Moderate distances for running are actually found to be good for your knee. They can be protective of a meniscus. Because part of how a meniscus heals is when it gets compressed, there's there's all, all this fluid called synovial fluid floating around a meniscus. And meniscus is kind of made like a sponge. It does that to absorb shock. But also when a meniscus is compressed, it sucks some of that synovial fluid up into it. And that causes healing in the meniscus. At least those parts that are capable of healing. But that's good for a meniscus. So some of this activity is really good. It also helps build your leg strength, which is going to help protect your meniscus. So running and distance running is good as long as you're not doing too much, okay? And don't quote me on the exact mileage there, but just know that moderate long distance running is absolutely not bad for your knees. Anyone who's ever told you, well, you have knee problems and you need to quit running or jogging, do not listen to that. As long as you're saying normal mileages, one to three, maybe five miles at a time, that is not bad for your meniscus. That's going to help you build your strength. It's going to help you get healing in there. You just don't necessarily want to be training for a lot of marathons, if that makes sense. Okay? All right, guys. That's a pretty good cover on myths and half-truths. As always, if you have questions about these things, or if there's something else you've heard about meniscus tears and you're not sure if it's true or not, feel free to reach out. Shoot me an email at daniel, D-A-N-I-E-L, at the athomept.com. And I will absolutely either answer your email or maybe talk about it on another one of our shows. So I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, 
we're going to get into treatment for meniscus tears. And as always, I'm going to start giving you a few things that you can do at home today. Stick around. All right, welcome back to the show. Now we're getting ready for our third segment where we're going to get into some treatment surrounding meniscus tears. Now, since I am a physical therapist, what this treatment is mostly going to focus on is non-surgical treatment. At the very end, we'll review again when you might want to start thinking about surgery. But for starters, we're going to spend the majority of this on non-surgical treatment. This is going to be me giving you exercises and thought processes to use at home. And then if you, if you need to think about surgery, we'll talk about that. So the first thing to do if we go through some of this testing and you decide, you know what, I do think I have a torn meniscus. The first thing you need to do is temporarily stop doing the painful activity. Now, this doesn't mean never. As I said in the previous segment, running is not bad for people with, with it's not bad for your meniscus. However, if you have an active meniscus tear, running might be bad for your meniscus right now. Okay? I always tell my patients, as a physical therapist, it is not my job to tell you to quit doing certain activities. You could have stayed at home and done that all by yourself. My job is to get you back to doing your activity. However, what sometimes is sometimes is helpful there is a temporary cessation of your activity. So if running bothers your meniscus, if going and playing 18 holes of golf bothers your meniscus, you may need to stop doing that for a brief period of time to allow the meniscus to heal and to get it, your leg stronger, restore range of motion, things like that. But that doesn't mean you're going to stop doing it forever. It's just a means to an end. I always tell my patients, if you can give me four to six weeks, I can give you the rest of your life back playing that sport, or at least the near future. Okay, so the first thing to do, figure out, identify your painful activity, and we're going to temporarily scale back on that enough that it doesn't irritate your symptoms. Now, there may be some of you can do. If you're a golfer and you only really feel your symptoms with, let's say, driving and your long irons, you can putt, you can chip, you can do things like that, things that don't give you pain, things that don't cause swelling during or after, by all means. Keep doing those things. Matter of fact, that's going to kind of promote healing. You just want to avoid the things that either cause pain or cause swelling. The second thing you need to do is restore your range of motion. And by that, I mean making sure that you can bend and straighten your knee all the way. A good way to test this is to lay on the ground. Start with your leg, your knee that doesn't hurt. See how far you can bend it up just by sliding your foot towards you. See how straight you can get it by pushing it down to the ground. Then do the same thing on your painful side. You want your painful side to match the other side, both in the quantity of movement, meaning you can move as far, and the quality of movement, that it doesn't hurt when you do it. So I'm going to give you one exercise for each of these. And they're going to be very simple and very straightforward. First, if you have trouble bending your knee as far as you bend the other one, you're going to stay in that same sitting position on the ground. Take something like a towel that you can wrap, that you can kind of loop over your foot that hurts. And what you're going to do is slide. It's called a heel slide. You're going to slide that foot toward you as far as you can. And whether it's a towel, a rope, a strap of some kind, you're going to use that in your hands to just give a little extra pull to help your knee go to where you can. couple of caveats here. 
do not pull through pain. If it hurts to go up, which is may very well be the case if you have a torn meniscus, slide up just until you barely start to feel a little discomfort, stop, hold for three seconds, and then let it down for three seconds. What I tell my patients is set a timer for three minutes. We're going to pull up until you feel a little something, hold for three seconds, let it down, rest for three seconds, and we're going to go back and forth because joints respond really well to repeated pain-free movements or at least repeated minimal pain movements, okay? So don't push so far that it hurts. If you do that, you can actually feed into that inflammation process and you can make it worse. You can make it swell and make it stiffer. So just slide it up and down as far as you can go without too much pain. You may also want to put your heel on something like a towel or a pillowcase so that it slides if it doesn't easily slide on your floor. If you have hardwood or tile floors, you can just take a, uh, your shoe off and your sock works are great for that. Now, the exercise for working on your straightening your knee or your extension is really pretty simple. You're going to sit in a chair, couch, something like that, and you're going to prop your foot up on something, an ottoman, another chair, anything. But you're going to prop it up, and you're just going to let it hang down straight. This one can be fairly uncomfortable, and we're going to set a pretty long timer. What I recommend my patients do is set a timer for 20 minutes. Put on the TV, distract yourself. You may not be able to stay there for 20 minutes at first. Just stay there until you start to get some significant pain. Once you do, take it down and that's fine. Make a mental note of how long you were able to stay with your foot propped up and gravity pulling down on your knee before the pain started and try to work your way up to 20 minutes. Once you get to 20 minutes, then you start adding a little weight. Take something like a bag of rice and put it on your leg just above your knee. That's just going to help gravity pull down a little harder, and you're going to get a little bit better stretch on your knee like that. Same thing. We're going to aim for about 20 minutes. So I recommend do it while watching TV. That way the TV distracts you, and you can stay there for a while. You're going to do both of those at least once a day until your knee range of motion is equal to the other, but I really recommend about three times a day if you can. Okay? So after a range of motion, and it doesn't – and when I say after range of motion, I just mean sequentially. You can work on strength and range of motion at the same time. But we're going to work on strengthening now. Now, the one place that I differ from a lot of other physical therapists and a place that I've seen a lot of success, when people think of strengthening the knee for things like meniscus tears, they go straight to the quadriceps, the muscle in the front of your thigh. I think that's a mistake. I think your emphasis really needs to be on your hips more than your quads. Now, we're going to do both. You want to strengthen hips and quadriceps, but I think you're, the outside of your hips are actually more important for meniscus tears because we talked about the main thing that will bother a meniscus tear is weight bearing with rotation at the same time. Your quadriceps and your hamstrings, the muscles in the front and back of your thigh, mainly control your knees going forward and backward. We call that the sagittal plane, front and back. Meniscus tears typically occur in the frontal or rotational planes. Frontal means side to side, and rotational means, well, rotational. The muscles on the outside of your hips, your gluteus medius, gluteus minimus, piriformis, gluteus maximus, and others, they control all of your side to side movement in your knee. That's the frontal and rotational planes. That being said, I think it just makes sense that if you strengthen your hips a little bit more than your quadriceps, make that your real emphasis, you're going to see a lot more improvement with meniscus tears. Again, both are very important. But for me, I'm going to put that emphasis a little bit more on my hips. So 
some good exercises for these are uh, you'll see these on my YouTube page on um, several of my videos in the past. Clamshells and leg raises laying on your side are my favorite two exercises at home for these muscles. Some people think that they're not as good because they aren't as functional. They don't look like the movements you do in sports. But a lot of research studies show that they actually have a higher electrical activity. See, all your muscles run off electrical activity. And sometimes the way we gauge which exercises may be a little better for a muscle are called EMG studies. With EMG studies, they actually stick small needles into people's muscles and read the electrical activity in the muscle while you do an exercise. Clamshells and leg raises laying on your side are two of the highest EMG exercises we have. They do a really good job of turning this muscle on and strengthening it. And that isn't to say functional exercises are bad. I love functional exercises, and we actually absolutely need to get into doing some. But I like to do these first to make sure this muscle is firing correctly and to isolate this muscle and then add functional exercises later on. So to do a clamshell or a leg raise on your side, you're going to start off with both of these lying on your side. When you're doing a clamshell, you're going to bend your knees to where your knees stick out in front of you a little bit and your shoulder, hip, and ankle are in alignment. You're going to keep your feet together. You're going to keep your hips laying completely on your side. You're going to rotate your top knee up as high as you can where you kind of look like a clam. And we're going to do three sets of 10 on each side. Then for your leg raises, you can keep your bottom leg bent, but you're going to straighten your top leg and you're going to raise it straight up to the side, raise it up toward the ceiling where everything is on your side. And we're gonna do three sets of 10. Both of these are very common exercises. Like I said, you can see them on my YouTube pages or um, just on my Instagram videos. You can also just Google these exercises, Google clamshell, Google sideline hip abduction, A-B-D-U-C-T-I-O-N. Both very popular exercises, both really, really good for your hips. Okay, so we've done temporarily avoiding the painful movements, we've restored range of motion, and we've gotten into some light strengthening. The next thing we want to talk about is your functional movement, squatting, lunging, things like that. What I really want to talk about here is more of a principle than actual exercises. The principle is that any pain-free movement is quality physical therapy. The mistake I see young therapists make when treating patients with meniscus tears is they think they have to go fix functional movements and they'll let patients continue to exercise with pain. And that's the problem. Now, a little mild discomfort isn't always the worst thing in the world, but any pain above a two or a three should make you, should make you stop and exercise. So squatting, lunging, stepping up and down from boxes are things we do a lot of in physical therapy. But if a patient has pain, especially a meniscus tear while doing these exercises, we either need to modify this exercise in a way where they don't have pain or just know that even though that's a good exercise, it's not a good exercise for that patient right now. And we need to get them a little bit stronger and a little more flexible and then come back to that exercise at a later time. So what you want to do at home is find movements that you can do where they don't hurt. A common one is you want to do squats. Squats are great for your quads. They're pretty good for your hips too. But if you notice you have pain when you're doing squats, there's two things to modify. One is how low are you going? Do you notice you only get the pain at a certain depth of your squat? If so, do squats, but for the first day or two, stop right before you hit that painful point. And then what you should notice is the more you do this, the lower you can go without pain. I'm a big believer in getting down low with your squats, but I'm not a big believer in getting low if it causes pain. 
So only go as low as you can go without pain. Another good way to get rid of pain during squats is by sitting a little more backward in your squat. We as Americans tend to be very forward with our squats. We get on our toes and our knees go really far forward. If you've heard from my previous episodes, I am a believer in getting your knees over your toes is important. But again, it doesn't mean it has to happen right away. And a really good way to modify your squat to get rid of pain is to have a chair or a couch or something like that behind you. And when you squat, to sit back like you're going to sit down on that chair or couch. Now, you don't want to actually put your weight on it. You want to sit back as you squat, tap it, and come right back up. It may feel awkward at first, but as you learn to shift your weight from your toes to your heels while you squat, that's going to remove the pressure from your knee, run that pressure through your glutes and hamstrings and quads, and it's going to take pressure off of the meniscus. Then later on, you can move back to a more functional knee forward squat. You can move into exercises like lunges, stepping down from boxes, things like that. But you have to start with modifying these exercises in such a way that they don't cause pain. If you start with pain-free movement and then you work towards more pain, more functional movements, that's going to allow your meniscus to heal and slowly, we call that progressive loading, slowly get back into those functional movements. But just because something is a good movement and a good exercise, don't feel like you have to do it right now. Start with the pain-free things, and then everything else will become pain-free later down the road. The last thing we want to talk about, we touched on this briefly earlier, but is when do you need to start thinking about surgery? Now, for you at home, you don't have an MRI machine or anything like that. So the type of tear, bucket handle, radial, longitudinal, isn't quite as important for you. For clinicians, if you're looking at bucket handle tears, lots of catching, popping, people can't straighten their knees out, you need to be thinking about this, making an appropriate referral to a surgeon who can make this decision. For you at home, a couple of things to look at which may make you think that you are looking toward surgery is one, like I just mentioned, you get consistent locking where your knee locks in a bent position and you can't straighten it out. If that is consistently happening, you probably have a bucket handle tear and you may very well need to look at surgery because if that bucket handle tear continues to flip into the joint, you can actually make your meniscus tear worse and make things a lot harder on yourself down the road. So that's something where you're going to want to contact a surgeon and get something set up. Another thing is if you treat this for three or four weeks. Now, I always say on this podcast, if you go a couple weeks of doing things yourself and they're not noticeably better, go see a healthcare professional. And that doesn't have to be a surgeon immediately. You can still see something else, a chiropractor, a physical therapist. Another, You can see us first. In Louisiana, physical therapists have direct access. You can come straight. You can call me, send me an email. I can set up an appointment, and you can come straight to see me the next day. And then if I think you, need to, you potentially need surgery, I'm going to contact a surgeon, and we're going to get you over to see them. But if you're not getting the results you need, definitely go see a healthcare professional because – one, you may very well need surgery, and if you do, you're just not going to be able to handle that on your own. Or two, you may not need surgery, but you just may need a little more experience to look at how to do some of these exercises, which ones to do. Are there some hands-on manual therapy techniques that we can do to help out with this? Things like that. Um, other things if you might to, that make you think that you're looking at surgery, if there was a major traumatic event, if you were doing some movement and you had a big pop with sharp pain in your knee and you're having a lot of pain, 
that's a sign of a traumatic tear and probably a pretty big one. And that's going to make you want to think that's probably something that we can do something about, probably something we need to get addressed, okay? So the important thing is if you think that you might need surgery on your knee, go ahead, contact a physician. Let's get in and get a look at it. Sometimes you're surprised that you might not need surgery. Sometimes you will. But if it's just mild to moderate pain, it's not catching and locking on you, then it's a good chance that you're not going to need surgery and you can do just as fine, just as well with doing a really good rehabilitation program. That's all that I've got for today, guys. Remember, if you have any questions, shoot me an email and uh, definitely give me a follow or a subscription on, uh, on, your pot, on your podcast platform. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. If you like the show, remember to either follow or subscribe based off your platform and leave me a five-star rating or review. I'll see you next time.